is another episode of Fear the Fear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder, accompanied by former NFL corner and SSU great Corey Fuller, along with Noel Game Day co-founder Ethan Vaughn. What's up, guys? What's going on, Ryan? What a great day to be on Hear the Fear, baby. Without hearing the spirit, you hear nothing about Florida State football. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on, Ethan? Not a whole lot, man. It's great to be back on. Another week. Finally got a football game to talk about. Yes, sir. And we will be welcoming special guest, William Barnon Floyd, later in the show. Uh, William was a national champion, a Super Bowl champion, and a very successful fullback on the college and NFL level. So we're excited to have him on. But, uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, another, one of my college, another one of my ex-college teammates and a brother in the NFL that I played against for 10 wonderful years. But listen, now, I know we haven't been able to talk about Florida State football for the last three weeks, but y'all could have kept the show going on because we could have talked about God the Cougars football. Hey, you, it wasn't our, I don't know what? why y'all didn't bring up the Cougars for the next last two weeks. I could have gave you something to talk about, some exciting stuff. All I right, let's do it now. Business. Let's do it now. Fill us in. Well, the Cougars won five games in the last two years, and the last year they only won two games. And I was summoned here in January of 2017 to come fix the problem. I think okay, we all do a well of a start. We're 4-0, baby. Okay, Coach. I think the most points that scored on us on our defense is 14 or 13. We've been on the road. We're on the road this week. we got to go to Titusville, Florida, to take on a great Titusville high school football program. But the Cougars are up to the challenge. Okay, Coach, tell them where you're at now. Where I'm are you right my, now? I'm in my yeah. office. Yes, in the, sir. In the Cougar Den, doing here the spear. Hey, hey, Coach, when you got there this morning, was the sun out? The sun is never out when I get to school. And it's never out when I go home. Yes, sir. You got to be putting in that extra time. That's why you're 4-0, right? That's not the reason I'm 4-0. I got some great kids. I got some great coaching. I'm just the vessel that God is using to help save these young men. Yes, sir. Well, you're putting in the work for sure. All right, but so FSU hasn't been playing. The Cougars have. Also, Florida and Clemson have been playing, as well as Miami, but not against some great competition. So let's talk about what y'all saw in this Florida-Tennessee game on Saturday because uh, I didn't see a whole lot, uh, at least a lot to, to like. I mean, uh, it's one of those things where you kind of feel like you're going to appear as a, a salty fan if you criticize a uh, – opponent or a rival after a game that they win but I tell you what um Florida won that game but man it was ugly uh when your quarterback doesn't complete a pass more than five yards down the field until the very last play of the game um I don't really think there's a whole lot to to take positively offensively out of that game um they they really didn't get anything going on the on the ground game either although they might have something in freshman running back um Malik Davis, that might be something that they, they've got going, but uh, it just really wasn't that impressive for me, and they were lucky to eke out a win, and Tennessee really handed it to them with all the with the three turnovers and the missed field goals, and then the horrible defensive scheme that they employed on that last play. Watching it from an FSU uh, perspective, from somebody who follows FSU, I know, uh, I'm certain that FSU will have a lot of success running the ball against that defense, because that depth on the front seven is uh, not very good now, and by the end of the season, is not going to get much better. And Tennessee's running back had 240 or so all-purpose yards. Michigan ran the ball down their throat. Neither team has a very good passing game or very good quarterback, so it's not like that they were mixing it up and, and gassing them uh, 
periodically. They were just gassing them, lining up. They knew they were going to run it, and they ran it all over them. So I like, I think that bodes well for FSU, for Cam Akers, for Jaquez Patrick, for Amir Rasul. And uh, I think FSU is going to run all over them in the swamp this year, to be quite honest. Also, don't, uh, don't, don't ever forget now, that's a rivalry game. Of course, but higher matchups or matchups. The match, the, 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 the emotions are boiling. Always remember that, all right? Yes, Just sir. remember that. Hey, Corey, I'm st- all I'm saying is it, it, it comes down, it's, it's a rivalry, whatever. It comes down to whether you can shed blocks and tackle. And I saw against Tennessee, whose offensive line is not very good, and their play calling is not very good, and they could not. Florida missed 15 tackles in that game, and and I think that's con- I, I I read that stat somewhere, and I think that's conservative because there was a lot more tackles that should have been made that they simply could not make, especially in the secondary. But I will uh I'll stop bashing Florida because they still have a long season to turn it around. On another note, I think Clemson, as you both will probably agree, looked phenomenal, and that game, on the other hand, really worries me because I think they looked very good on offense and defense, and they dominated a great. Louisville offense. I agree. I think going into that, going into this year, really, um, the the main reason that Clemson wasn't being, I guess, picked as a national championship favorite um, was that everybody thought their offense was going to take a considerable step back in the absence of um, Deshaun Watson and uh, with Kelly Bryant stepping in. But Kelly Bryant, I, I know he's a first year starter, but as a junior, he really just does look at home in that offense and. Um, Everybody expected him to be a good, you know, good with his legs, but um, just he's been pretty impressive with his arm. He's not Deshaun Watson, but just the throws that he makes down the field are, are on the money, and and basically what that allow, that's allowing Clemson to do is they're still stretching the field, um, and their defenses aren't able to key on the run and key on the quarterback run. So the fact that they're still opening things up by packing the ball down the field and, and stretching defenses has really got them looking pretty formidable because their defensive line is honestly probably the best in the country, and it, and it builds a basis for a strong defensive unit as well. So I think they're now they have to be one of the top two teams in the country, and I, I'd be hard-pressed not to put them number one based off what I'm seeing right now because I just haven't been super impressed with Alabama's offense. So... I think Florida State's going to have an uphill battle when they're trying to beat them and, and win that eight, especially, win ACC. Especially in Death Valley. That's why I said uh, on uh, – I was saying that I think as an FSU fan, you had to root for Louisville in that game because I don't know if Clemson loses any games this year in the ACC. I mean, FSU has a, has a shot to knock them off. It certainly doesn't help that it's in Death Valley. And considering it's Florida-Florida State, it'll probably be a night game. But uh, enough of the opponent or rival talk. Let's get into it. We finally got a football game this weekend. How you guys feel about that? So glad it's back. I'm, I, I want to see this young fella at quarterback. Um, <laughs> I think the no nation want to see him. We've been off for two weeks. Everybody played three games, like you said, and had that jump on us in Miami. So we gotta, we're gonna really see what we made out of, and we gotta. The guys around him have to play great now. No matter how much talent this young kid has, he's still a freshman. He's a true freshman. The guys around him have to play great, and they have to play great right now. I I agree. I think it definitely having a freshman quarterback too. He needs that help from his offense, and and the receivers and the and the O line and the running backs. And he also, but it also I think it puts pressure on that defense. I think now they know that they have to play like they did against Alabama, and they're going to have to carry this team to some victories at, at some points and times in this this year. 
Yeah, James Blackman's dad definitely got me excited to see him play. Uh, the skinny on the NC State game is that FSU are big favorites at 12.5 or relatively big, depending on how you look at it. But I don't think many people saw us being two-score favorites. Also, NC State's rushing defense is one of the best in the country. It's number 11 currently in the country. However, their passing defense is not very good, number 90 in the country. They've been exposed pretty much throughout the game, so it'll be interesting to see if FSU can exploit that. What do you guys think about uh, the balance between the run and the pass uh, game for FSU's offense this week, considering FSU's strength probably with a freshman quarterback will be running the ball, but that also plays into NC State's strength uh, on defense? That's one of the reasons that I think that line being 12.5 points is kind of, I don't know, I'm not going to say absurd, but a little bit um, surprising to me. I just think this matchup, I, I, A, I think this is a very losable game. Like I think Florida State could, could very easily go out there on Saturday and lose this game, which wouldn't be obviously ideal. But um, I, I just think the matchup's intriguing, and I think it, I, I'm interested to see how Jimbo plays it, knowing that NC State's weakness is their passing defense. Um, I'm wondering if he goes out there and really does, how, how much he's going to trust Blackman to exploit that and uh, whether or not he's going to keep running at, an, at a defensive line if they're consistently getting stops against Florida State's running backs, if he's going to keep doing it or if he's going to open it up and, and let Blackman throw the ball around. The good news for, for Florida State's passing game is that a, a component to, um, or a contributor, I should say, to NC State having the number 90 pass event is they've only been able to manage two sacks per game, which from what that D-line was supposed to be isn't that good. I don't know if that's necessarily their opponents getting the ball out quick, but, I mean, they have played Marshall and Furman, so to only have two sacks a game is uh, underwhelming for sure, and that bodes well for, for James Blackman, and hopefully he can stay on his feet the whole game, or most of it at least. And I'm, I'm super interested to see how Jimbo tapers the offense to fit Blackman's strengths and how, how simplified it is or, or how, how maybe it looks the same. But I'm definitely interested to see what Jimbo does there. I think that I think that them three weeks, almost three weeks off, because when you play the game, you've basically been off for three weeks. Yeah, 21 days. The, that blessing in disguise. I don't think he's going to taper down too much. I feel like when you come to Florida State and you come here to play football and then go to school and get a great education and have a great football experience, I think you know you're amongst the best in the country. He has to just do what he is capable of doing without messing up. And Jimbo needs to let him go. You put him in that position, why hold him back? If you're going to hold him back, you might as well just let him stay there and let the other kid be the quarterback. True, true. It, it, it's definitely interesting to note and important to note that Blackman jumps uh, junior J.J. Constantino and true freshman that was an early enrollee, Bailey Hockman, who's a coach's son who was um, supposed to have a pretty good knowledge of the playbook coming into this fall camp. So that's definitely interesting that he jumps both those players uh, in route to being the starting quarterback this year. Uh, now for, for NC State's offense, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays for FSU because I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think FSU has shown yet whether their strength on defense is against the run or the pass? I mean, last year and the last couple of years, I think it was definitely against, against the run because the pass has been exploited. Um, whether that's scheme or misalignment, uh, it's not necessarily DBs getting beat one on one. But how do you think FSU's defense this year? Wh where do you think the strength lies? Well, I, th I think it's a strong defense. I'm gonna tell you. The, I mean, obviously it's a strong defense, but I think they're suited well to succeed against both the run and the pass. And and it builds basically around the fact that they have two very, very, very good defensive tackles. Um, when you got these defensive tackles, especially Derek Naughty and also Demarcus Christmas. 
that are able to just stuff up anything in the middle and, and eat up double teams. They're able to really shut down the run game. But then, I mean, we saw Christmas getting after Hurts um, again when, when Florida State played Alabama. That so, man was dominant. dominant. Exactly. Get, getting that interior pressure. Um, it's a lot easier for a quarterback to step into a, a pocket when, when defensive ends are coming around the edge. But if you get interior pressure from those defensive tackles, it's pretty hard to step in, uh, step up in the pocket or move around in the pocket. So I think they got a strength against both because of those defensive tackles. But I'm also interested to see Florida State is, is better. Or I think most defenses are, but I think Florida State has proven over the past that their strength is defending pro-style offenses. So I, I'm interested to see with NC State's not necessarily a, a super spread offense, but they do have some creative elements to get like um, Jalen Samuels and, and their other playmakers the ball in space. And I'm interested to see how Florida State copes with that. Well, Florida State's defense performed well in um, Raleigh last year against NC State. I was there. I think this year's team is only stronger. This year's unit um, defensively is only stronger. And I think from what Charles Kelly showed so far, the, the maturity in this defense and the experience on the field is so far, only, I know it's only been one game, but so far it looks like they understand what they're supposed to do schematically much, much better than they did last year. <clears throat> So NC State so far this year has lost to South Carolina. In that game, to be fair, they did um, they they more than doubled uh, South Carolina's offensive production. They had about 500 yards to South Carolina's 250. Uh, they they lost that game 35 to 28. Then they had two. They had an unimpressive 37 to 20 win against Marshall, and then a 49 to 16 game, win against Furman, which I don't really know what to make of those two. So while Ethan mentioned this is a losable game for FSU. So far, NC State's only played one Power 5 team, a South Carolina team that's not, to be to, frankly, not very good. Um, they already lost. And this this really going to come down to whether Florida State's defense can hold them and how competent Blackman is in this offense. We'd like to welcome a special guest former Florida State fullback, national champion, Super Bowl champion, and the only rookie in NFL history to score three touchdowns in a playoff game, William Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's going on, William? Um, I'm doing great, man. Just uh, down in Orlando recovering from Ernest, and now here looking at Maria, making sure she don't come too close and knock anything out of whack. But, man, just uh, ready for some football. Only had one game this season. Everybody else had like three or four. Oh yes. man, this is this is so great to have another Florida State legend on here this year. But this is a special guest because this is a special friend, a special brother, a special teammate, Barnon William Floyd. Man, it's great to hear your voice. It's definitely great to hear your voice too, cause you, I mean, and you're doing some big things out there. You coach your job in that man. You coach your career. You're doing everything you need to do. I'm just trying to follow your footsteps, man, and do my do my little thing over there hanging out with Gene on the weekends with a little bit of football. No, you, you you're doing a great job. Y'all doing a great job. But get up some wins though, baby. Get up some wins. <laughs> they, they keep talking <laughs> about their back like the Niners. We we ain't lose two and three games in the season in the Niners now. I'm trying to figure out what they are we back? Are we playing like we back? 
I think we'll run. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how everything works out. I think if he had DeAndre Francois, we'd still be talking about possibly ending up in that national championship game. But I think, you know, um, it's probably a blessing in disguise for Florida State that they've had these last couple of weeks off to, you know, try to get, you know, the young kid, Blackman, ready for, you know, his first start, a true freshman start this week against North Carolina State. Um, you know, that's going to definitely be a game the defense is going to have to step up and, and win it for us, I think. All right, before we get into some real FSU football talk, bar none, I got one big question for you. I want to know, back in the day, in your prime, if Corey had any shot at tackling you in the opening in the open field. Oh, no, I mean, the only, way you get, yeah, the only shot he has is if I trip over a blade of grass. That's about it. <laughs> Floyd, don't be crazy. <laughs> don't be crazy. I wasn't the cornerback that ran away from competition or uh, being physical. You know I would have brought that thing to you. You probably try to get down on my ankles a little bit, but yeah, you probably oh, one of the most. I, you, you know, what? after I blew my knee out, I never tackled people on the ankles. Stop that, man! I don't be no fool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're just, that's kind of, that's kind of the, yeah, I think Corey, that's that, kind of. I think that's kind of the, the same kind of mentality I had too. After you tear your knee up, man, it'd be hard for you to hit somebody else on their knee. Or you tear your ankle or anything wow. like that up down there. It's, it's kind of tough for you to hit somebody else on their on their lower extremities. Listen to me. Playing football is also a business. You have to business. You have to make business deals sometimes. It all depends what angle I had on Bar None. But if I had my <laughs> angle on him, I would give it to him. Hey, Bar None, he, he said, if he had it right on with me, I was gonna get him down. It's a business deal that uh, you have to compromise out there. Because he the, said, the, the, the less compromise you do, the longer your career not gonna last. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, so Bar None, as a former Florida State tailback. What do you make of the running back situation this year at Florida State? And do you see anybody emerging as the guy? Oh, man. I, you know, after having Dalvin Cook for so long, I knew it was going to be tough for anybody that tried to come in right behind him because that's just, you know, those are hard shoes to fill. That's, that's like trying to replace uh, James Winston the year out here. He was out here winning the national championship. And you have a kid that's the best running back ever in Florida State history. You know, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time to replace that, but Jacquez, you know, Jacquez Patrick looked decent in the first game. Um, I thought Cam Akers looked great. Um, but I think between those two, that's what Jimbo is going to focus most of the running attack this year. And maybe Amir Rasul might be able to come off the bench and help out a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to try to, you know, bring anybody else off of, off of red shirt like, uh, like Saber and any of those kids on the board. But it's going to be interesting to see how that works out in running back. I really think it's just going to be right now Jacquez Patrick and um, Cam Makers. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question about our running game. When you say that, because I believe in the power of going into 11 personnel and 21 personnel, for all the people that don't know football, those are numbers when we talk about receivers and running backs, number of skilled people on the field at the same time. We have Patrick, which is a big, big bruising back to me in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I, what type of Evan flow? Because I didn't really see no flow with him against Alabama. I, didn't, I, I know we're not going to play Alabama every week and everything, but I didn't see no flow with him. But when we put the Acres kid in there, I've seen some rhythm with him. What are we trying to what, – from you being on the inside a little bit, being an announcer, what are we trying to accomplish out the running game? Because I don't think we – our offense is geared to a running back 6'3", 220, whatever he weighs. I think you might hit it on the head right there. I think the philosophy with that offense that we run, that Jimbo's run, he's always had, a, you know, the last few years anyway – since Carlos Williams is left there, uh, the year they won the national championship, they, you know, they had Devontae Freeman there too, but 
it's always, you know, you had a guy that, that had some speed that was, that was go, that can go across the line of scrimmage. And if you notice Jimbo's offense, he does a lot of running across the line, like across, um, the, 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 I guess the plate is what you want to say. So, say for instance, you're standing on the right, you got the tailback standing on the right side of the field behind the, the right tackle, and he's going to cut across the field, and the hole is on the left side. So it's a lot of, you know, crossing, I guess, the center is what you were saying, football, uh, running the football as opposed to just going straight down here. So you're talking about zone running. You're talking about zone yeah. running. Yeah, you got a lot of zone. But I don't think he's a zone back. That's, 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 well, that's what I'm saying. Patrick is more of a down here. He's a big back. So, I mean, big back, you want to let him keep his power behind his shoulder pads. You don't want him hitting the line of scrimmage going sideways. You want him hitting the line of scrimmage going straight ahead and just shoulder pads straight to the line of scrimmage. That's how you want him running down. You want him running down here. Now, a guy like Sam Akers, um, you know, Gavin Cook, Boyd Dunn, you can run across the formation with those guys. You know what I mean? Because they're fast. They got their little shifty. They can hit the hole a little quicker. It's just tough for a guy that big to go across the formation running the football. I think right. that, that point is really, like, augmented by the fact that you look at Jimbo's best offenses and you guys, you got guys like Chris Thompson in 2012. Um, you mm-hmm. got Alvin Cook, Devontae, Devontae Freeman. Freeman. So, the mm-hmm. the best the, Jimbo's best offenses always have those guys that can really make guys miss and also like really I think one of the biggest skills for a running back to have in Jimbo's offense is being able to make jump cuts in the hole because like you were saying some of those cutback lanes that are created by FSU's blocking schemes are really taking advantage of when a guy can make that jump cut in the hole and cut back across a formation really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what so I always said about. No, I'll just say that's what I always said about Dalvin Cook. He, you know, I like to call him as a running back. I call it the base. Vision, acceleration, power, and speed. And that kid had all of that. You know, you got to be able to see the hole. And when you see the hole, you got to be able to get there and accelerate. And then every once in a while, you got to be able to break some arm tackles and have power and get through. And then you got to have the speed to finish it off. And that kid I'll, had all of that. So one thing I will – we always uh, – Say we're a little biased to the guys we play with or we play against. But I'm still going to go down and say in Florida State history, I played with two of the best at their position. And I'm people are going to argue with me down and forth. I played with the best fullback and argue the best running back. Numbers are different. We ran a different style offense. Ward and Barton was two of the best to play at that position. For what they look for in football. College that, football man. has definitely changed. Football has went from when we were a kid to go on north and south to go east and west to get north, which I, I still don't understand that to this day. Everybody said you're going to use the whole field, but Louisville like to go east and west, and Clemson showed them that that don't work when you got guys to run sideline to sideline. Well, I always learned a game like this, and I mean, I think it's the school. I, might, I think I learned this in class. If the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line. From a straight line. <laughs> So I'm very disappointed with football right now, even though I'm a coach. And um, I, I think it, our game has been weakened by 7-on-7. Uh, seven seven. I think that's why the running back position is not as valuable as it used to be because all the 7-on-7 yes. seven seven mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, yeah, I you think that, uh, the people, The people that win championships have a running game. If you got people a don't win championships, they can get an eye back and go downhill. Yeah, that too. You got to have that. That's what I've noticed about it. You got to have a. You got to have a short yardage running game, and you got to have a running game because you got to keep the, the defense honest. Especially, you know, especially short yardage, because if you can move the sticks on third and short consistently, that opens up everything else, including play action. I mean, and you, right. see, you that's got, what you want to be in. 
You got Alabama running over Also, I think uh, Patrick is especially successful in the games we've seen so far when that O-line gets him to the second level, into the secondary, where he's breaking Mm -hmm. defensive back tackles instead of defensive line tackles because he's bigger and stronger than all these defensive backs. But in games like Alabama and like probably NC State and probably Miami, where these guys have top ten, top five defensive lines, it's not a guy like Patrick... Don't insult Cliff. You didn't name Cliff. Well, well, he. That's not the next two games, though. The first three games we got are NC State, or we had Alabama yep. top D line, NC State top D line. Uh, not Wake Forest, but then next week or the week after Miami top D line. So Pat, if Patrick's not getting to the second level uh, via it's the be a long day. line, it's gonna be a it's long, gonna be a long day. day. But when you saw when they put Acres in and they start running zone schemes and stretches, and they he was getting off, he was getting outside the tackles. And he's making people miss, which Patrick doesn't really make people miss. He can just uh, like bully people with his size. But D. Lyman, he's not bullying. Well, no, he's definitely not going to do that. And then, and then with Jimbo's offense, so I think everybody has to realize that Jimbo, and I like it because that's what we used to do at, 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 at the 49ers is he is more of a pass to open up the run type of you know coordinator. Whereas you have most coordinators, they say, man, I'm just going to work off the run. But if you notice him, like, when he was getting up on the Izzo, the tight end, and some, some, I think he had, he was averaging like 20 yards a pop. We stopped going to him. But when you can start, when you can force the linebacker to back up off the line of scrimmage, because that's what you got to do with Alabama. They're going to just get up there, put everybody up there in the box, and force those guys out there on the outside to play man-to-man defense. And then they just, you got to play ball. But if you start getting behind them, like Clemson did last year, like he did early in the game, you start forcing them to back up the line of scrimmage. That's like Alabama lose two games before this season is out. Mark me down. How? How? Just because they, they can't stretch get, the field. They, can, yeah, just, they, they got Kevin Ridley. They stretch the field all day long. Yeah, but they no, got they, not, they only they, they only had a hundred hundred like hundred four yards against ninety against 96. Florida State or ninety six or whatever listen, it was. You talk about Florida State. We probably have two defensive tackles that go in the top three rounds. Mm-hmm. One of them is they're they come they're out. Gonna they're going to go high. They're going to lose two games in the SEC. Trust me on that. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Y'all, y'all watch football. I coach it. Not this. Not disrespecting y'all ability. Alabama is not playing to win a game. They're playing for you to lose the game. That's the one thing I finally watch them when they play for. Oh yeah, no doubt. They're been, not playing. Yeah. They're not playing to win a game. They're winning that game ten to three. Right. Well, they're, they're so not they're so well coached. They're playing not to lose the game. They're so they well, I, you to lose. They know I agree you're not with that, Corey. Mistakes. They're not going to make mistakes, and you, they know that they're going so the to. How they're putting on team? Oh, I didn't so know how they're going to lose two games. games. Bar none, how they going to lose two games? How they going to lose two games? Number one, somebody got to use the same philosophy that we did, and if we don't have all those special teams, arrow, they go and win, and we win. That's the thing about that's the thing about the game, and when they put pressure on you, it presses you to make mistakes. That's nobody, part of the game. Nobody, nobody has the talent that Florida State has when they're going to face Alabama. And when you nobody, can make the top three team in the country make that many mistakes, that's what it comes down to. That man, man ain't all about the details. I, I, I don't think Alabama, especially to start off, I don't think Alabama made Florida State make mistakes. I, I agree. Think, it's a special I think, team. I don't think Florida State can control not getting that call right before halftime on Nikon Murray that changed like the complexity of the game. That's a, that's a huge but, no call going there right okay, before halftime. But then, but before that no call, we made no plays. You got to make plays to get those well, we calls. Drove the, we drove the field. We, drove we the didn't field, make no plays, though. 
We didn't make no impact plays in the game. To be fair, we yeah, didn't put yeah, any pressure. Yeah, right. and, they, and they made the one. They made. They, you got to think now. They only scored two touchdowns, and they made one impact. One, one impact play with the big bomb to Ridley. But and to be honest, that one big, impact play was enough to win the game. They would have won the game ten seven and been completely fine. Yeah, well, I mean, but see, that's what I'm saying. You got that big play. Then you got the play where they with uh the kid, the running back Harris ran it in. But I mean, they got the ball in. And then when we got behind, look at their start position. When we got behind, when we got behind, they we did exactly what they pray on. Pray on you to try to go fast, try to get everything back in one place, and then here come the mistakes. Hey, I, well, that was, I, that's what that was. Go ahead. I, I have evolved as a coach. If you get behind, you got to stick to your game plan. You can't get off track. If you two scores behind, you just one play away from being back in the game. But most coaches, most players, most teams, when they get two scores behind and they're playing against a great team, they think the game over with. We abandoned the run when we got down by two scores. We got down. We, we abandoned the run. We got down. Keep Cam Makers, keep running the ball. You got to land us. They holding up pretty good against the pass. But don't put the pressure on them to hold up every play against it. Well, no, but see, but, that, but, that, but I'm saying that, that right there is that when you look at what happened to that team, it was special teams and offense later on in the game. There was no reason for the young uh, Glad, and, I, and, I, and that's what happened when you have a successful play and you think you can do that every time. He did the same thing against Michigan. He brought that ball, that ball out against Michigan when he probably shouldn't have, but he made a great play, got us down the field. We ended up going down and winning that game because he, you know, took that ball out. He tried to do the same thing, catching the ball over his shoulder, which he wasn't supposed to do, but then he came right back out and fumbled it. And from that point right there, the game went down here for Florida State. But I think, hey, what hey, you, but, go ahead, Ethan. I think what you saw is, like, I, I agree with, with Barnum here. I think that the the first two errors, like the real big errors, were the special teams errors, the block punt and the mm-hmm. kickoff. And Alabama really didn't – I mean, I'm not going to say they didn't force them, but I don't really think – you know, they, they didn't completely force them. I think it was errors that Florida State made mentally on their own. And then from there, it kind of snowballed into those interceptions. Because I, Francois, I think Francois and the offense as a whole started really pushing and pressing after that happened. So I think it, it was really like FSU shot themselves in the foot and then it snowballed. So what you saying is, so what y'all saying is that I'm correct. Alabama never played to win the game; they just didn't play to lose. Correct. To be fair, yeah, I, what, yeah, I, what happens when you have a yeah, bunch I was of talent, with you. When you have a bunch of talent and a bunch of young talent, when something is not going right and we're not sure of ourselves, everybody want to be the hero. Everybody want to be the star. And everybody want to make the play. Like you said, I, I agree. That's what, they, that's what they. That's what they make it. They mm-hmm. make their living off of is everybody else making more mistakes than they do. To be fair, though, Corey, when when we went up, they made a play. They threw the ball downfield to Ridley. But then after that point, they kind of shut it down because they saw we were crumbling. So not necess- They didn't necessarily. No, they saw we could. We weren't moving that ball exactly. So it's not that they didn't play to win, but because when they were down, they scored on that next drive. They threw that bomb to Ridley. But once we couldn't score and our special teams was imploding, then they played to not lose. No, they got the, they got the lead back. They they had, yeah. they had they they felt like they couldn't move the ball, so we're gonna take a shot and see if it worked out. But if not, we're gonna they couldn't move the ball. That was the whole point. They couldn't move the ball. They got look at they start. That's what I'm saying. They, they started. They start, look, look at their start positions in the first half. The what, five, was my, what was my original six, statement? The twenty one, the twenty one, and the thirty one. What was my original statement? Alabama does not play to win in big games. They play not to lose. So and then they didn't even score on four of those drives when they got that great field position. The defense did a superb job. I mean, they stopped it from the five yard line one time, but then they they missed like a couple field goals. They don't so, want to make a mistake. They still waiting on you to make the mistake. 
Yeah, I do that. But I'm telling you, I think the original question was how they gonna lose two games. It's gonna be it's gonna be two teams out there with the same amount of talent that's gonna be able to force that kid to throw the football. Because that's what we that's what we tried to do, and we started out well doing that. For whatever reason, we. I, I don't know. Uh, that bomb kind of messed everything up. They keep talking about that kid. Ain't no, we keep talking about that kid. Ain't no good. We supposed to be talking about Florida State, but we talking about Alabama and Florida State still, and we didn't lost to him. That kid has only lost one game, and the one game he lost, he lost in that championship game. Yeah, but I, you asked me. You, you told me. Yeah, you but, asked me yeah, about but. I'm going to lose two games. I'm trying to tell you. Somebody got I'm, I'm a Nick Jagger fan. I'm not an Alabama fan. He, 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 he figured out a way how to mastermind this college football. He got it mastered. So until y'all show me the blueprint to unmaster Cause LSU just lost Mississippi State. Yeah, Barnum, They don't. They don't have anybody else on their schedule like Florida State. To be to be honest with you, Auburn. <laughs> I'm lost. trying to figure out where these two losses gonna come from. Because you just said Mississippi State. Do they have Mississippi State? Because I was about to say that'll be that's that's a team I could see doing. I think Man, I think Mississippi State, State, State I, suck. I think Mississippi State, State can't can, match them can, in the trenches though. They don't. Have I think Mississippi trenches. State might give them a run. I think I, I don't know the they'll beat them. The, the what are they playing? Does. What are they playing? They definitely play him because that's SEC West. Hey, man, no, 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 I'm going to get, I'm gonna get Nick that? Saban on this show. Y'all insulting Nick. I'm going to get Nick Saban on this show. <laughs> yeah, y'all insulting Nick. Y'all have lost y'all mind. Mississippi State going to beat Nick Saban? We must go be out there playing for Hey, you would have said that about Ole Miss a couple years ago when they beat him. No, I wouldn't. They beat him twice. They play, they play him in Mississippi this year. Hey, we must be. We must be going to go back out there with our class of 19, Florida. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> You don't see you don't see Alabama losing two games. Okay, you don't see Alabama. I'm on, I'm on the podcast, so I'm gonna use correct, correct English. No, sir. Instead of hell, no. <laughs> okay, well then, well then, okay, I'm gonna let you have that. But then, okay, if that's not the case, if they don't lose two games before the end of the season, now that kid from Hawaii will be the starting quarterback because they're gonna have to start putting points up. It's gonna get to a point where they get a scare and they're gonna feel like they're gonna have to get a quarterback in order to start throwing the ball. I agree. They, 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 they sent about seven guys to the NFL last year. They didn't rebuild. They reloaded with all your yeah, guys, we used to and do. we couldn't even move the ball on them with a coming back, a returning starting quarterback, a return, a starting turning line, and all our receivers back. And somebody gonna move the ball on them. My thing is, we should have threw the ball up to Tate. We should have made Tate and that, and that tight end, the, the, the uh, Heisman Trophy contenders. I hey, see, my thing is, we give Alabama, too, people give too, Alabama too much respect. You got to force them to play football. It's not a respect, Floyd. It's the truth. It's, it's not a respect. It's the truth. All right. Gentlemen, gentlemen, we talked enough about the, the Alabama game. We still got 10 more games this season. <laughs> let's get into uh, let's get into this week because we do have a good good matchup against NC State. FSU did open as twelve and a half point favorites, and I believe the line's still around there. But regardless, first first start for James Blackman. NC State's got a great defense, and uh, they could definitely cause some problems. So, uh, what do you guys think of this game coming up, and uh, where do you see FSU uh, finishing in this game? Well, you know, I'm always going. I'm always going to go with the home team. I'm always a home on that. So I see them. My thing is this: if Jimbo has this young man up there, and he was able to come in as a true freshman and get to the second string position, then obviously he has some promise because Jimbo does nothing but develop quarterbacks. So I have some confidence that Jimbo is. You know, he feels confident enough to put this young man in the game. He thinks he can win some football games for him. But at the same time, 
this is the time where everybody else on the team got to step up and be a part of it. Where the receivers, the running back, the offensive line come to that young man and say, you know what, we got your back. This is not on you. This is on us. Defense got to go out there and do what Coach Biden always said. Defense, if they don't score, they can't win. And if we go out there with that philosophy and we can have those two things right there, we'll be okay. How do you think the the, the layoff, this 21-day layoff, is going to affect what goes on in the game? Um, I mean, it's a it's kind of a weird circumstance. I can't remember the last time something like that happened, and uh, especially with it happening between the first and second games of the year where the biggest jump in, in performance is supposed to happen. I don't, I don't know. What do you think um, that what, that kind of effect is going to have? We'll be rusty. I mean, we'll definitely come out a little rusty, I think. Um, offensively, it's easier that, you know, when you have that type of time off, it's easier for the defense to come out there and perform because, I mean, you just go and you react them. You know, offense, it's about timing, rhythm, you know, who's feeling it right now, you know, who's, who's the coach trying to get the ball into, who's you trying to attack on the defense. So, I mean, I think offensively it might take a little while for us to get started. Hopefully not. Hopefully we come out there and we just hit on all cylinders, but I would think the offense will have a little tougher time coming out and adjusting and picking up and getting in the, you know, formed in the defense world. Another thing I was thinking about is, is there's only one, one game of film for on Florida state for NC state to look at. And you got three games on film for NC state for Florida state to study. So just maybe that, that could be another thing that that factors in when Florida state has a little bit more game film to watch and see what NC state's working with this year, as far as tendencies and everything else. So I think that could be an intriguing aspect. NC State, the most important part of that aspect, Ethan, is NC State has zero games of Blackman. So, I mean, exactly. the only thing they can judge their his strengths and weaknesses and how they can get to him is by his high school tape, which, as you guys know, has nothing really to do with how they utilize you at the college level. Let me ask you a question. This is what's crazy about college football. There was a time when Barnon and I played college football at Florida State. We could have lost the starting quarterback, NC State. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. They still gonna get sixty, seventy hung on them. We have a discussion yeah. like NC State is good. You know, this this is this the law of the land. College football has tremendously changed since we love college football, and it's, I, I, I'm I'm sad to say that even without Blackman playing a game, we even talking about NC State got a good line. They line still ain't supposed to be able to compare to our yeah, but, but football players at Florida State. Yeah, but Corey, you're overlooking the fact that. NC State might have four, their four starting defensive linemen drafted. And I don't think FSU is going to have all our offensive line drafted. So while they, they still don't have a better team, while they the, still no, they don't have a better team, not at all. That's but why Florida State match should up win. With a, they, they should win. They're favored to win. But yeah. when you're talking about just the defensive line, just because they go to NC State doesn't mean they're not going to be playing on Sundays. I didn't say that. That's what you assumed. No, no, no. They had, players, they had a cornerback that got drafted at the first. Like the top 20 picks that I played with at Minnesota that played at NC State, he was a first-round pick. We still put 69 on him. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And he got by five touchdowns, caught on him. That don't mean. You're going to the NFL so you'll notice when you, talk about, when you talk about football, about pro football, it's not the team of school you go to. It's individual talent. The NFL draft players. They don't draft teams. I got a question about that, Corey. I think you, I think you notice a lot in the NFL um, – like you, you would think based on watching like college football, you think you know so many of these Alabama guys would would make it in the NFL. But then you, when you really get to looking on NFL rosters, um, you see a bunch of guys from small schools. Do you, you really like? Ha, is there more of like a emphasis on the mental game in the NFL, and is that why some of these guys that 
maybe weren't as physically talented coming out of high school were able to make it, or you think it's something else? I think a lot of it has to do with um, some of us go to a situation where we have so much talent around us, it makes us better than who we are and what we are as a player. Some of us come in the league, we get drafted high, we forget about if They don't realize it's a job and a business. And a guy that's coming from a small school, he's a lot hungry. He knows he only got one opportunity to do this. He probably get drafted mid-round and get free agent. He knows that he got one shot. He ain't going to mess it up. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a few things that play a role. But when you're a dog, you're a dog. It don't matter if you're at a big school or a little school. And going into the NFL, as a rookie and a player, you got to be a dog. And once that dog come out of you, you got to keep it in you until your career is over. And a lot of guys... got to be a dog and you got to stay hungry. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And a good example of that is in 1997, there was two receivers that were drafted in San Francisco. The first round pick that year was J.J. Stokes. The third round pick that year was Terrell Odoms. Who do you think mm. was the hungriest? Damn. T.O. Okay, so that right there tells you. I think you guys, I think it got a lot to do with just what, what Corey said. It had a lot to do with being a dog, having that type of mentality that you think that you're the best, regardless of what everybody else says. You believe that you're the best, so you're going to go out there and perform that way. Then it just comes down to being hungry. Are you going to be hungry after that first deal? Are you going to be hungry after that second deal? Or how long are you going to stay hungry? So, I mean, I think I think Cole hit it on the head. So you guys want to give your score predictions now? Uh, bar none, you, you think you give a score prediction for this game? How do you see it finishing? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be 31-14 uh, uh, Florida State. And I think that that'll probably be because they threw a couple of late touchdowns. But I think that Florida's—I think the defense is good enough to keep them off the board for at least the first half, or at least till the offense gets clicking and uh, the offense will put up some points. I don't think that they're going to be on the quarterback. I think those other young men to step up and help them out there just to galvanize the team. You think the uh, the scoring on the offense comes from the running back position, or you think Blackman gets a few? Well, I'm thinking the scoring is going to come. I'm hoping the scoring is going to come for a lift. I'm hoping we're going to get at least two defensive touchdowns. I think, oh, I think okay. the defense is going to have to score some points this year. No different than our, our defense did. You know, those guys, they scored a lot of points. You know, so they, I think that's going to be the same mentality. I think they're going to have the same way Florida won that game last week. It's the same way Florida State should have the mentality to win games for the rest of the year. Defense is going to have to win games. If we get some help from offense, that's a bonus. But it needs to be the mentality that defense is going to keep them out of the end zone. They're going to find a way to put points on the board. And like I said, hopefully get that young man and that offensive team that, you know, time to start uh, getting a little bit of rhythm together. All right, well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much, William Barnum Floyd, for coming on here, the Spear, to talk with us, uh, me, Ethan, and Corey. For sure, uh, it was definitely a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to having you on maybe later in the year. I look forward to it, gentlemen. Please keep me in touch. Stay in touch with me. Let me know what's happening with the show. God bless. So what do you guys see shaping up on Friday? What is your score prediction? Who do you think is going to win? Why? And where do you think the production on offense is coming from with this new look offense? Um, I'm, I'm sort of I, – I obviously think – I think Florida State's going to win. Um, but I think it's going to be close. Something like, I don't know, maybe 21 to, to 14 or – 17 to 14 or 21 to 17 somewhere in there i think it's gonna we be need a score game. ethan we need the score all I'll right i'll one. go i'll go 21 14 okay um i just think that that blackman is, is going to have a couple freshman bumps he might throw an interception or two 
Um, but I, I have a lot of faith in Florida State's defense being able to uh, hold NC State's offense to a couple scores at most. So um, I, I, just, I think Florida State's going to win. Um, I'm really the, the one thing I want to see is I want to see Cam Akers be truly cut loose. I think that he is um, arguably the biggest threat that Florida State has on offense. And in I terms agree. of making things easier for black men, I think getting him going and, and, and really, I, I think we saw it over the last couple of years with Dalvin Cook, the way that he was able to bail out the offense and kind of mitigate some of the other sloppy play that they had from the quarterback and receiver positions and the offensive line. Um, I think that, that Florida State needs to develop Cam Akers and get that kind of production and that kind of safety blanket against some of the other routine mistakes that we see with the offense. So I think they really need to cut, cut Cam Akers loose and, and get him into that form to where he can kind of take over that role from Dalvin Cook. To be fair, Dalvin only had about 60 yards last year in Raleigh against NC State. So I don't know how much our expectations should be for Cam Akers. Even if he gets a lot of touches, there might just not be any running lanes, um, as there were not last year for Dalvin Cook. So that'll definitely be interesting to see if the, the O-line can change that. Is, this is that the game where he was hurt, though? Dalvin? Is that the, yeah, uh, is that the game after? There was a game in Doak. I can't remember who they played, but he pulled up on a run. And, and, and his hand, I think it might have been a... No, I don't think he was hurt. Game. I don't think he was hurt. I was at the game, and there were no holes. He, he had to bounce everything to the outside, and there was no... The defense that played with good leverage, they had, he had nowhere to run. But, Corey, okay. how, do you see this, how do you see this game shaping up? And uh, what's your score prediction? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a score. <laughs> I don't have a score. I see no... We're, we're gonna get a score. We're gonna get a score prediction out of him this year. I guarantee. Coach, you. coach is too good for score predictions, even. <laughs> no, no, not too good. Just don't want to set myself or the fans up for failure. At this okay. point, all we want is to win to get the one and one. If we win by one, we're gonna be happy. If we win by a hundred, we're gonna be happy. But at this point, we want to feel we got as a team since Francois has got hurt. Okay. Uh, but you know, Brian, you doing all this talking about Florida State? Are you coming down to the game? You, you know, know I'm going to be there, Corey. When you know I'm going to be there. Don't you get that. yourself put out of Wake Forest. I got that. Seminoles and doing this I, podcast here, I got, here every week. I got that 7 a.m. flight to tally, Corey. You going to be there? I'm going to be in Titusville tomorrow, baby. Are you going to be at the game on Saturday? I mean Friday. Well, I'm going to be at the game in spirit. I'm going to be at the game on TV. I like to watch <laughs> the game on TV. Okay. I'm not a big go-to-the-game fan. I'm going to just be honest with you guys. Okay. Okay. That's okay. All right, so so my prediction for this game, and I think I'm right on the money Florida with the State score. Win, we're gonna win convincingly. So if you want to put your score with that, we're gonna win convincingly, man. Y'all okay, that's what that's what I'm looking for, you know, coach. Carolina State, man, don't Wolfpack don't do nothing with no Seminole. Okay. All right, so so jumping off that, I think FSU wins 27-13. Ethan, you can write that down. If they get thirteen, so well, we got we got to we got to start putting some bets down on this. I don't know where whether what it's going to be like a it's, it's uh, no bet a this Twitter week. a Twitter profile and we can't bet now, but we we got to get some bets down on this. No, Ethan, it's no bet this week. It's going to be twenty seven thirteen. Take that to the bank. FSU right. twenty seven, NC State thirteen. James Blackman throws for one score. Uh, the running game gets two, and Ricky puts two through the goalpost. NC, the, the defense comes up big, three so turnovers. If he, put, if he puts two to the goalpost, how many attempts does he have? Oh, that's only two, baby. That special team getting figured out. They had okay. three weeks to correct uh, that. Come on now. Okay. I think the, the, the defense gets three turnovers, and that's what ultimately decides the game. 
So that's my prediction. Corey, maybe I'll see you in Tallahassee this weekend, baby. Hey, Corey, if you don't hear the spear. You don't hear no no football, baby. Don't ever think you can tune into something better than hear the spear. Yes, you're sir. not tuning into hear the spear. You're not getting tuned in to Florida State football. The best part show going today on Florida State football. Tune in every Thursday night. Yes, sir. I'll see y'all in Cali on Saturday, and I'll see y'all next Wednesday to record this podcast. All righty. See you later. Yes, sir. We out here.